Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dave DeVito. As advocates for our industry and our state, 2022 is a big year, not just because it's an election year, but also because of the new rules and regulations that are having far-reaching impacts on our businesses, the industry, and Colorado's economy. Our topic today is the new building codes. What is the cost to the home buyer? What is the cost of construction? How do we balance environmental concerns with skyrocketing housing costs? Here to help us understand more is Evelyn Lim. Evelyn Lim is the Mike A. Laprino Fellow at the Common Sense Institute and recently authored a paper called The Uncertainty, Future Cost of Colorado's Energy, Infrastructure, and Housing Affordability. Evelyn, welcome. Thanks for having me, Dave. Well, you have a a super impressive resume. In fact, many accolades and experience would likely fill our entire show. We're thrilled to have you. I know you worked with one of our business uh, entities here that we partner with, Colorado Concern, as well as working for the HUD administration. Um, We're thrilled to have you today, so let's jump right in. Great. Thank you. Before we jump into the new regulations, tell us a little bit about the housing situation. Everybody knows that living in Colorado has become more expensive over the years, but the problem seems to have worsened of late. What's changed over the last few years? That is a great question. I think you're right. Everybody um, realizes how expensive it is to live in Colorado. I think the housing um, situation really shows that. It's really been a confluence of things. uh, But what really I think is that we have a supply shortage here. And so that has risen up the cost of housing. It started really in the Great Recession when we, we basically stopped building. And we just haven't caught up yet. What does that shortage look like? Sure. So Common Sense Institute, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a fellow there. They recently estimated that the housing shortage would be over 195,000 units. And that deficit is projected to grow to over 338,000 units by 2026. So to close that deficit by 2026, we need 67, over 67,000 housing units to be built every year. And so to put that number in perspective... That's more units than we've ever built in Colorado in any one year, the highest being in 1972 when uh, 65,000 units were built. So building more than we've ever built before for uh, the next four years will be a monumental task. What does that look like from an entitlement and uh, procurement perspective? You know, as you look up and down the front range, you see you know, large swaths of land that have been taken up for developments, either commercial or residential. Um, but how, how do developers acquire and put that kind of stock in place in 67 units? I'm assuming that means doors. Um, how do they do that in uh, this year and every year go forward? Yeah, well, it's, it's a challenge, certainly. And I think uh, one of our fellowship reports that um, I did with a co-fellow, Peter Lafari, last year was on this supply shortage. And, you know, what we talked about in that report was just really how the land use planning process was really convoluted here in Colorado. So that adds a lot to the, the length of time it takes to build, as well as when you add time, it adds costs. So I think we're already dealing with that challenge. Then you add 
inflation, you add the labor shortage, you add the increased cost of materials, and that just doesn't seem like it'll be a good outlook for us in the housing world in Colorado. That's kind of uh, not what I was hoping to hear today. So uh, as we look at the different types of housing that and the placement of that, so 67,000 doors per year for the next five, six years is what we're going to need to put in place. Realistically, how much have we been putting in place over the last, I don't know, four or five years on average? Do you know? So we've increased the um, level of permitting that we've done this year. So that is a very good stat, but we're still not at the level. We're still not at 67,000. I think this year we're close to that. And I think one of the challenges that we see is that, you know, if you live in Denver, you live in Colorado Springs, you see all the cranes going up. So everybody thinks that, oh my gosh, we're in a, we're in a construction boom, we're, we're building. But the reality is, is that we just, we haven't caught up yet. So while there's, uh, there's promise, and that's a, a good thing, we still need to do more. Well, that's helpful uh, context. So one of the things, being from the mechanical plumbing and HVAC industry, you know, we have been very conscious about our environment for a number of years. Uh, before there was a lot of pressure to do so. Low flow toilets, high energy efficiency boilers and furnaces. Uh, we have been stewards of the econ- or of the environment rather uh, for a number of years, and there's been a lot of pressure uh, to do more, and we should look at that. So talk to us. It, the, the word that kind of comes to my mind of late is electrification. Talk to us about electrification and what is that? What does that mean? Electrification is basically replacing fossil fuels with electricity. So, you know, propane, natural gas, uh, we would be not using that in the built environment and instead uh, getting all of our um, energy from electricity. And electricity comes from? Well, so that's a great question. Right now, we have a mix of fuels that we get our electricity from. It is everything from coal to natural gas to wind and solar. And as we see the increased push to get to uh, less carbon emissions, we've seen that our utilities are are moving more towards these renewable uh, sources of energy, which are wind and solar, less on natural gas. Obviously, uh, there's there's a lot of a big push to get rid of coal. In some communities, they use uh, nuclear or hydro, and so it's really just a mix. So uh, maybe an unfair question, but you know, in your time with HUD, how does Colorado rank as compared to maybe some other states that you had in your kind of portfolio or other states that may, you may have uh, seen or exposed, been exposed to from other parts of the country uh, when it comes to both housing and this push for electricity or electrification? That's a great question. So I was the regional administrator for Region 8, which is based here in Colorado, uh, in Denver. And we covered six states of uh, Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, North and South Dakota, and Montana. So it's a very different region. Um, Obviously, we don't have these really dense urban centers like you do in New York or Chicago. We have a lot of rural communities. We have a lot of of tribal communities. So it's almost an unfair to compare all of them because every region kind of has their different um, 
challenges and opportunities. But I will say for housing, Colorado has the sixth highest growth percentage based on the 2020 census. And the biggest challenge for housing was that we had this huge influx of people come to Colorado. And again, we just weren't building enough housing. Mm. So some of that, those challenges are, are seen in the region. Uh, you'll see that Bozeman, Montana, for example, you know, whenever I would go visit there, they really saw Denver as kind of a cautionary tale of what they did not want to happen because they were also seeing a huge influx of people moving in from uh, different coastal communities that wanted, you know, the beauty of of the mountains. So really, we, we're in a different situation. In terms of electrification, you know, the Biden administration just pushed, pushed out an initiative for these energy codes, basically moving their environmental goals through the energy codes, which is what we've done here in Colorado. Well, let's talk about that a little bit and dig into the codes. It's my, you know, from my perspective, codes have really been a responsibility of the municipalities. So towns, cities, uh, counties for unincorporated uh, communities. And now with the passage of 1362 this past session, the state is now going to take a leadership role in energy codes and being uh, responsible for or um, have the authority over those codes. So tell us a little bit about that and the background and um, your perspective. I will say, so in this report that I mentioned last year uh, with Peter Lafari, we advocated for a statewide building code. We had said that even though Colorado is a very home rule state, we thought that having a statewide code would unlock this innovation. And as you know, there are great strides happening in modular homes, in um, you know, 3D printing that we really could take advantage of if these builders had a baseline code that they could take from municipality to municipality. So with the statewide energy code, it's a little bit different because you have to basically still mix and match your energy code with your local uh, building code. And so you're not really gaining the efficiencies that we talked about. That's one thing that I wanted to clarify with these energy codes. They're not basically there to help us gain efficiencies. They're really there to, to push these basically codes that bring more energy efficiency. So, um, and as you know, that could mean a lot of different things. Um, you know, one thing I like to talk about with these energy codes is that how you live in the home really makes a difference in terms of your emissions. And so, you know, you could have this great energy code, but if you aren't living in the home uh, and using, you know, a clean grid or or whatever, you're not necessarily gaining the energy efficiency that you, you think you are. Well, and you wrote about that a bit in your paper. You know, I think one of the things that that is um, not really realized is there's a cost associated with the movement or the push on putting more pressure to expedite energy code adoption and eliminate fossil fuels. Uh, and so in your paper, you discussed Rocky Ford as an example. Tell us why you picked that and tell us a little bit about uh, that or anything else that uh, you saw as you kind of analyzed the numbers? Yeah, so Rocky Ford, we, we used that because uh, Black Hills Energy actually did an analysis on Rocky Ford. And they basically looked at the cost of what it would cost to the consumer, the homeowner, 
to change over their house to electrification and what it would cost to them as the utility provider to upgrade their infrastructure and distribution transmission systems to get ready for electrification. And the number was um, was huge. And so we basically took what they did for Rocky Ford and we extrapolated that throughout Colorado. And the reason why we did that was because these costs are extremely difficult to to understand. So uh, right now, Excel Energy is going through the PUC and, and talking about what they need to do for their grid to upgrade to electrification. And also, the cost to the consumer is really hard to basically quantify. And so we had an, a utility provider that did this for us. And so we basically took that information and said, okay, well, this is our best guess at what that would cost. And I'll just put out there that other people have quantified what it would cost for electrification. So if you look at what CSI did with Rocky Ford, basically the cost uh, to electrify that community and extrapolate that would be 71 billion dollars. Another analysis done uh, by somebody who looked at across all the states uh, put that number for Colorado at 488 billion. So that's a huge discrepancy between 70 billion and 488 billion. And what I wanted people to take out of my report was that with these huge varying costs, we don't know what it's going to cost to electrify our homes. And we really, before we go down this road, need to understand what that cost is. Because even though the utility pays for it, that comes right back to us as a rate payer. So it's not just what you're paying for your home to get new appliances, to get new pots and pans. It's also you know, what you're paying as a rate payer for the infrastructure upgrades that they need to put in place. So 71 to 400, so six time Nearly delta. 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah, delta. That's, that's pretty significant. You know, it may be unfair to ask the question, but why do you think that delta exists or that big variance or difference? Is that because we don't know truly, like you said, what it's going to cost? Or is that because we don't have a good inventory of what's out there and what has to be then replaced? Or did you look at things like that in in your research? I think the cost to the homeowner is relatively easy to quantify. So if you look at what it would cost to buy new appliances, there's also changes to the potentially to the home that need to be made. You know, some of these appliances are different size than, you know, the natural gas counterparts, and then also upgrading, you know, your electrical panel, those types of things you can, you can quantify reasonably. From the utility perspective, there's all of these different variables that you have to take into consideration. So um, not only about what the grid is going to look like, whether it is, you know, battery storage with uh, wind and solar renewable, or if it's going to use a mixture of natural gas or not, eventually, you know, with electrification, you know, as I mentioned, they want to get away from fossil fuels, so it won't have the natural gas component. Um, But there's also transmission lines. And do you do those underground? Do you do them on the poles? You know, what kind of infrastructure do you have to invest in to get there? So those types of variables are are not known. And those have to be in conjunction with the utility because they're the ones who are uh, putting those in place. And so those costs 
I think are are the ones that vary widely. But also, you know, I think one thing that I'll mention is that we're also talking about commercial buildings here. Mm-hmm. And so the cost to that will be will increase. Also, we're not talking about industrial. So nobody, you know, nobody's even wanted to crack that that code yet for the state. So uh, there's all these things that, you know, we haven't really talked about. And so one of the things that I think people should be aware of as this conversation is going further and further is that these discussions are happening now. So if you don't think about it, you know, five years down the road, it's too late. We're, we've already uh, put those costs in and we're already going to be paying for them. So the takeaway there for me is there's a push to electrify and get rid of fossil fuels, but we don't know and can't accurately quantify the cost to the homeowner and to the commercial property owner. And we haven't even started to think about the industrial usage buildings yet. And that's uh, that's kind of frightening. Okay. So I've asked about cost. What else in your report do you think, you know, are good highlights for their listeners to know? And what are your key findings? Well, I'll just say that it's not too late. So the uh, legislation 1362 that you mentioned that recently passed established an energy code board. And so that energy code board will be responsible for adopting the next energy code. And so, you know, one of my recommendations in this process is that there are, I think, 30 people on this board, but the the one voice that's not in taken into consideration is the homeowner. So uh, I think there should be public input in this code board so that the people who are impacted the most actually get a say in what is being established. And so I think that that is kind of the ray of light uh, that I will say is is part of this. And I also think that consumers really should have the choice in all of this. And one of the things that uh, the energy code is, it's really a step towards electrification. It's not full-on electrification. So there is, again, time to to think about this, think about what's best for you. One of the things that we, you know, that we're talking about is that these codes add more to the cost of housing. So that will be really hard as we're already facing this supply deficit here in Colorado. But when people are looking at what kind of house they want, you know, a natural gas line to the house, which is, you know, optional under this energy code, will increase the cost to build. Yet, you may want to still have that natural gas uh, line to your house for your appliances, for your heater. You know, there's all these things that you could talk to me better about in terms of, you know, some of these uh, water heaters that don't r- work well in cold weather like we have in Colorado. So all of those things that, you know, the homeowner doesn't normally think about when you are looking at a house, you're, you know, thinking about how many bedrooms does it have or, you know, are the are the bathrooms updated and will this fit my family? But um, these are some of the things you need to think about going forward. Okay. Good advice. 
So what's next? What suggestions do you have for us? Well, I always just advocate for people getting involved. Uh, There's some big decisions that are happening on our behalf at the state legislature, at the executive, at the governor level. And I think that people, there's so much to think about because of inflation, because of, you know, gas prices are really high, but these, all of these things add up. And this is, this is one big thing as well. So I think people should, you know, pay attention to uh, what the legislature is doing uh, Common Sense Institute is a great resource for a lot of that. Um, they they do a lot of great reports on uh, things the legislature is doing and how that impacts Colorado. Well, I know that some of our listeners are going to want to find your study, and you'll be able to find that at www.commonsenseinstituteco.org under the research tab. Thank you, Evelyn, for being here today. Thank you for your time, your insights, and your wisdom. It's been a pleasure to have you today. Thank you for having me. All right, folks. Thank you for listening today. Please join us next time and stay tuned for more industry insights, news, and information about the women and men building our communities, building our skyline, building our future. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.